And just to be clear, so it's, it's tomorrow, the big Hollywood opportunity? No, Tuesday the 19th. Tuesday the 19th. Yeah, sorry, okay. 9 a.m. Tuesday, yeah. Um, good to be with everybody. I want to, before we dive into First Peter this morning, I want to say thanks to the people that showed up yesterday to help with our big paint day. We got a lot done. We had a big day here. We uh, basically, the bottom half of this building is mostly 90 plus percent ready for people to move in, which is important because on August 1st, we got four college gals that are moving into the back part of the house. And so that's our like deadline we've been like up against. Um, but we got a ton done yesterday. So thank you to those of you who, who gave uh, your time and everything. I wanna throw out, just let everybody know that we are in crunch time and we're painting time. So anyone who wants to show up anytime until we're done, that we have paint brushes, we have paint, we got people working here every day and you can join in. Um, in fact, today we, it would be great. We have a kitchenette slash laundry room that we're trying to install starting tomorrow. So if anybody wants to like paint walls or at least one wall in there so we can get going, even today or first thing tomorrow morning, you can just show up or talk to me or Michael and we'll get you going on that. Um, also, the kitchen will be ready probably to be painted by late afternoon tomorrow or evening. So if you want to have fun painting the kitchen blue, um, you can do that too. So, but anyway, thank you. This is coming together. We're crunch time. Huge project, but it's so exciting to see God transforming this house as an environment for changed lives. Um, I want to just pray uh, before we, just that God would help us. I was just feeling that need myself and for all of us as we look at his word that he would just prepare our hearts and help us to hear what he has for us. So let's take a minute and, and ask him to do that. Father, thank you that you are with us and your word is not only true, but it's living and active. And, but Lord, we, we know that our, uh, the condition of our ears and our minds has a lot to do with what we receive. So, God, would you help us this morning? Would you help us to focus? Would you help us to receive? Would you help us to look, help us to, look to you for what you have for us? God, whatever you want to speak to us, I just I pray, that, Lord, we, may this be our attitude. God, speak to us what you want to speak so that we can trust you and obey you and follow you in, what, in where you're leading us. Help us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I was just, I was really struck as we were worshiping the last, last song, just how, about Jesus. So this is about Jesus and how th this, that there was no one ever, no human ever more free than Jesus. And out of his freedom, he gave up everything. He was so free, like it took that level of freedom and identity of knowing who he was to lay down his life completely and that's what brings us life that's what brings us salvation that's what brings us the fullness of life that God has for us and as we've been looking at first Peter and our theme of elect versus elite how God has called us to be his elect his chosen people and that's first of all it's knowing that identity that lifts us up and kind of brings that sort of freedom in our life and as we come into that freedom, we're empowered to live the same way Jesus did, which is by laying down our lives for others. And the last previous two weeks, we've talked a lot about what that looks like in the S word of submission. 
talking about two weeks ago submitting to imperfect authorities, but how God empowers us to do that and to honor Him and to change the world by doing that. Last week, I was in Colorado, but Tori and Jesse um, led, a, led our look at the top part of 1 Peter 3, which is talking about wives and husbands. And they really did a great job of breaking down this, really focused on this difficult topic of submission and what it means to, to lay down our lives for others. Um, it's is you know, so much of what we're looking at at being the elect people of God is countercultural. And nothing more countercultural and touchy than the idea of submitting our lives to others. Um, today, we're going to kind of build upon that. We're going we're gonna to start with the last verse that they, they finished with, which is verse 7, which really is addressed to husbands. Um, and then we're going to move forward in how in just broader application for all of us. And the um, want to take a little time just to, to look at what God's instructions for husbands are, because just as difficult as the call, the instructions that we read last week to wives, and the level of laying down your life, and seeing a husband as the head of a family, and submitting, and honoring, submitting to God, and all that, the, ch the, the challenges for men, I think, are just as difficult or even more so. And especially when you look at all of Scripture, when, the Bible, when, when we're told that, hey, husbands, lay down your life for your wives as Christ laid down his life for the church. So there's this, this man, not easy, but incredibly beautiful way that God calls us to live as, as his elect. And so um, we're going to start, like I said, looking at this instruction to husbands. So it especially applies to husbands, but really then it expands. These same principles apply in the general idea to all of us. Um, we're going to end, kind of giving you the bookends here, but the end of this passage and the title for today is Pursuing Peace. And Peter quotes Psalm 34, which says, Seek peace and pursue it. And so that's, if we want to have a motif or a theme for today, it's pursuing peace in our relationships with other people. And by peace, the, it's a quote from Psalm 34, which is the Old Testament, which is Hebrew, which the word for peace is shalom, which you may have heard that term. But the, the biblical idea of peace is so much richer and fuller and complete than our, our idea of peace. We tend to think of peace as like the avoidance of conflict. That, well, we have peace because we're, we're not arguing right now. We're, we're agreeing to disagree, maybe, or we're coexisting. But biblical peace is the idea of, of completeness. It's completeness, soundness, wholeness. It's welfare. It's blessing. It's God's goodness coming into the world and into our lives. His, his peace, his shalom, his blessing. We think of peace as absence of conflict, but biblical peace is actually the, the whole etymology or word, the, the meaning of the word is this idea that one's foot is firmly planted on the neck of his enemy. You have peace not when you and your enemy are like, in the same room and like restraining yourself from arguing. But you have peace when the good guy's foot is on the bad guy's neck. Alright? That's peace. Now, that, now don't take this in the wrong direction. Because really our enemies 
are, are not flesh and blood. It's not your spouse. It's not that roommate. It's not that person in your family, that, that difficult relationship. But we're talking about forces of evil. We're talking about ideologies. We're talking about the, the instruments of evil that really need to be dealt with for peace to be experienced. But you can't have peace without dealing with that. It's not just being nice. That's, that's not peace. So we're, gonna, we're looking at that. Um, I, the last two nights, actually, because it's a really long movie, one of my top five, maybe top two or three movies is Braveheart. Classic 1990s, kind of mid-90s, my coming-of-age era. But I watched it with my 14-year-old son, Ian. And I, there are some movies where violence is good, in my opinion. And Braveheart is one of those, because it's just, you've got a clear evil, and you've got clear good, and there's gore, but it's because, like, they have to fight to defeat those forces. And you're like, wow, I thought we were talking about pursuing peace. This is a weird direction to go, about starting with, with marriage. But it's, there is a thoroughness and a commitment to dealing with the things that, that keep us from having peace, that must happen for us to pursue peace. All right, so um, your enemy is not your spouse, it's not the other person, but it's our flesh, it's forces of evil, it's ideologies that are in rebellion with the good way of the Lord that he wants to bring to us. 1 Peter 3, verse 7. Likewise, so the likewise, it's referring back to what he's been talking about. So in the same way that we just called wives to a very challenging way of laying down your life, in the same way that we just talked to slaves with their masters and citizens with their civil authorities who are oftentimes not the greatest. Likewise, husbands, we're calling you to some tough stuff. Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Many of the husbands in the room would go, well, yeah, this is hard. <laughs> this is really hard. Live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as a weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. I want to break this down a little bit. Live with your wives in an understanding way. It's, um, I heard it said once, and I think this is very helpful for husbands. It doesn't say husbands understand your wives. Because, you know, that's not going to happen all the way, all right? That's beyond the realm of possibility completely. But live with your lives in an understanding way. That means Seek to understand. Be understanding. Grow in your understanding. It's funny. I've, I've done, I do some premarital counseling, and there's a couple who were here, or the husband was here, and he's now in um, Kansas City. He's getting married. I did, I did some premarital counseling for them over, over Zoom. And um, as now, as someone, this is, good, this is kind of interesting for me. This is the first time I'm talking about marriage five months after my wife passed away. And, I, you know, if she was here, then this afternoon there would be a lot of corrections and edits. And, I, you know, you messed up on that. So you all can help me with that today. But we just had the, my trip in Colorado was with our friend Mason. And we, there were, it was interesting because it was the only, like, it was eight guys. And it was kind of like his bachelor trip. And it's the first time I've been in any sort of group like that where Mason was the last guy to get married. So all the other seven guys were all married. And so the night before, there was, we were like giving him advice and praying for him and blessing him. And everybody had like real life experience to come from. 
And one of the pieces of advice is one that you've probably heard, um, but it's, it's, it's so universal that one of the guys, you know, young, early, mid-20s husband said, yeah, I, I used to think that when my wife would come to me with her challenge and problem that she was facing and she would explain to me the problem, I thought she was asking for a solution to the problem. But I realized that that doesn't work. She didn't want me to solve her problem. She just wanted me to listen. And all the other seven guys were like, yeah, <laughs> that's true. You're all, but these guys are growing and living with their wife in an understanding way. And you know, it's wild to me. As, as I talk to young guys who get married, I'm like, sometimes I just laugh. Like, and I, sometimes I look at the prospective bride, and I just kind of like, He'll get better, all right? It's, he just, he's at his capacity right now, all right? He's trying, but it's just there's no other way probably for him to grow in this area except to get married and to walk this out. So I, I can laugh because I'm a little farther along than he, than he is, but I was just as bad as he was not too long ago. So this, it's wild. Live with your wife in an understanding way. There's this really, like, there's something about being in relationship with other people and men and women that calls you to grow in a way that nothing besides relationships will do. Um, a lot of this understanding is realizing that there are differences. There are differences between men and women. And there are differences in the other gender. Men, there are differences in women that are superior to you. Like those differences are not just different, but they're things that are, they're better at that than you are. And it's good. To, to learn about those things, to, to grow and learn in that process. Um, the next phrase is, is challenging, as, as a weaker vessel. And that sort of stirs up all sorts of emotions, like, oh, what are you saying, like men are superior? You know, weaker, is, and Jesse and Tori talked about this last week, um, women are physically weaker. You know, that's, that's a difference. Um, but they're not inferior. In fact, I think if you really study scripture, back from Genesis one and two, you see that in many ways women are the most complex pinnacle of creation. Like as you see like God creating things one by one by one, it was getting more and more complex. And then there was the male, and then there was the female. And it's the masterpiece in many ways of the intricacies of God. There are many ways that women reveal God's glory that are way beyond where they're revealed in men. Um, but there are ways that, that men are stronger than women, and that's, that's by design. Um, there's, there are ways where, you know, men are emotionally more thick, I would say. They're, men are simpler, in general, than women. Women tend to be more complex and more delicate in a good way. Now, there are pros and cons of both of those things. And therefore, we need each other. And so, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. There's a place where you need that intricacy and that delicateness and that insight. And there's a place where she needs your simplicity and just seeing through the forest and saying, okay, no, this is where we're going. There's all of that is, is important and comes together. Okay, you can stone me later if you want to. Um, where am I? Live with your wives in an understanding way as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. 
Wow, this is really cool. Um, heirs with you. Some manuscripts say even joint heirs with you. So men and women are both made in the image of God and were made with the commission from God to rule and reign as God's delegated authorities on the earth. And we're, we're made to receive an inheritance from God, which really is the whole earth is our inheritance and different parts of it that he assigns to different people. But it says they are heirs with you. And the idea, it's like, it's like those checks that are written where it's checks addressed to two people. And to cast that check, you have to have the signature of both people. I actually just got one of those checks. I had an insurance claim on one of our vehicles. And our insurance company hadn't yet updated the records, and it still had Reagan's name on it. And so I went to the bank to cast this check for over $1,000. And they were like, uh, we don't know if we can cast it, because it's just your signature. And I was like, OK. They well, sign it as you know, deceased. Um, you know, husband of deceased, and they knew me, and so they cashed it. But then, just like two days ago, I'm looking at my bank statements, and it got rejected, actually. So I've got to go back to the insurance company and get that changed, because, but this is really how it is. Like, there's this check, that, this inheritance that can't be received, this check that can't be cashed unless both parties are in agreement and in alignment together. I mean, even, like, this house is a good example. Like, we, we bought it from a family where there were five kids, and they had to agree on who they were going to sell it to, or it wasn't going to happen. And that was a really difficult process. <laughs> like, five kids, five different opinions, five different inclinations, but they had to get in the same place before they could sell this property and receive the inheritance. That was their family inheritance. And that's really how it is with us in, in many of our relationships, and nowhere more than in our marriages. That for us to receive the inheritance, it's, it's the full inheritance God has for us. It's not enough to be like, well, man, I'm serving God, and I'm doing my thing, and my spouse, you know, they got their issues, they're, they're doing their thing, but I'm not going to let that stop me. You know, in, in a sense, that's true. Like we, we need to follow God regardless of where our spouse is out at. But really, God's design is that we would be in, at a place of being one. And to receive the inheritance God has for us, it's, it's working through the stuff that keeps us from being one and becoming joint heirs with one another. And that is true completely in marriage. That's also true in our other relationships as well. But there is much that God has for us that we will not receive that inheritance apart from working through our issues and being at a place of shalom with the people around us. They are co-heirs with you of this grace of life and so that your prayers may not be hindered. Wow, that's like one of those phrases in the Bible that should instill the fear of the Lord in us. Especially as husbands, it's like, hey dudes, listen up. If you don't honor your wife, if you don't live with her in an understanding way, if you don't value her as a co-heir, God's not going to listen to your prayers. So your choice. Your choice, okay? But it's important to me. It's really important to me. If you're not taking care of this well, then I, it affects our relationship and how much I'm responding to you and your prayers. So uh, we could say a lot more about that. Um, I guess I will take a, just a quick pause. Any questions about anything I just said, especially as related to men, women, marriage?
This, oh, I, not you. No, that's going to be a tough question. <laughs> Go ahead, Clay. Just joking. Yes. Um, and so how do you, I guess, fit that in scripture, like, yeah. away from scripture? Because we're not going to get a psychology lesson on men and women from the Bible necessarily, but, you know, how do you still see that in the full grand scheme of things of truth? Yes. Good, good. I'm glad you asked that question, because that's an important one and one we address. And, you know, my 11 year old daughter, Amzi, beat her three cousins, including an older one in arm wrestling. So the whole, you know, Danny could probably beat most of us, actually. So these are like, there are generalities in these truths, and there are, you know, it's very difficult. That's why I want to point us to scripture when it addresses issues of men and women and what that means. And because when we try to apply it, we're, we're extrapolating things, and they're good principles, but it's easy to get it, you know, it's not, it, it's it's easy to get a little bit off or less universal. But I think we could, it's important to see that, that like, just because these things are generally true, every person is uniquely made, and there's a spectrum of where we are on these characteristics. And whoever God has made a person to be, like, he wants them to fully live out that true self. And so this, there has been a lot of misuse and abuse of women, like, being kept from expressing themselves fully or from certain roles or callings or responsibilities that actually hurt the church, hurt the world when women are kept from being their full selves. Um, and you know, some men are more sensitive, some men are more intelli emotionally intelligent, all that. Um, so it's not like just these boxes, there's, there's a spectrum, they're general principles. And so but there are some, like, there are some universals that, like, in marriage, there is a place of leadership for the husband. Um, there is a reality that, you know, those things that are, that are said in Scripture. Um, and so, what else was I going to say to that? Um, a lot of times, too, like, the exceptions, there's the saying that it's the exception that proves the rule. Like, there... They're, they're, because it's an accept, exception, it points to the general truth. And a lot of times we're like, well, this person doesn't fit in that category, so let's throw it all the way out. And then you've got 90% of other people who are like, well, that really does fit like how I want to live, but it's kind of discredited because we have to give room for the exception. That's, those are some of my thoughts to that. Yeah. Cool. Anything else? Any other questions? All right, well, let's keep going. Um, really in the same spirit, like those same principles and truths, now we're like playing out for everybody. Men, women, married, single. And really, you know, so many of these principles play out for all of us no matter where we're at. Um, but verse 8, Peter goes on, he says, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Uh, that verse, man, it's just, it'd be a good verse to memorize as far as like, wow, the kind of lifestyle we're called to as the elect. 
as followers of Jesus, all of you. I think about Peter could not have written this when he was a young man. When you read the early stories of Peter, with his brashness and his impulsive actions and you know, cutting off the ear of the soldier, and like, that's not the dude who writes this. But this is a guy who's walked with Jesus for decades. He's been married. He's learned a lot from his wife. And he's come more fully into, into knowing this, this kind of life that God, that God has for us. Um, have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. This like sounds nice, but I want to think about it with a difficult person in your life. Probably most of us like we immediately go somewhere. <laughs> like, oh yeah, there's that person. What would it look like to have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind? with that person. This is, especially in the church, especially with fellow believers, this is attainable. Like, there's every reason we should think, like, yeah, this should be descriptive of our relationships. Um, but that doesn't just happen by itself. Especially, like, the unity of mind. Like, that takes intentionality, that takes conversations, that takes conflict. That takes working through things. That takes listening. I think, I think the people that I have the most unity in mind with, behind that, there are, uh, there are years of relationship and hours and hours and hours of being together and hours and hours and hours of difficult conversations of working through things to produce that. And... That, and then, and I don't want to like make it about the time, but it's, it's more about the intentionality. It's like, because I value this relationship and the importance of us being united, like, I'm going to bring up the things that are troubling me. I'm going to, we're going to talk through it. I'm going to listen, and we're going to come to a place of finding God's will and adjusting our thoughts to come together. And it's got to be like, not just my way, or your way, and the other person has to like just get in line. But it's this like commonly, this like here's Jesus, here's me, here's you, and we're coming closer and closer to that place so that we're united. And that's, that's a humility. Man, there's a, it's just, it's not, it's not normal. It's only by the grace of God and by practice that we can live this out. Um, yeah. Sympathy, caring for others, a tender heart, a humble mind. We could preach on any one of those. But I'll keep going. Don't repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. Here's the, the upside down way of Jesus again. Love your enemies. Do good to those who persecute you. Don't return evil for evil. Or reviling. Reviling is, is harsh words, mean words spoken to you. Again, that's not natural. You know, last night I drove home from Mariano's birthday party, and I've got a value them both vote yes sign in my front yard. And um, it's been taken down once, and so I put another one up. But last night 
I pull up, I'm parked on the curb on the road, and there was spray painted in front of the sign in paint, spray paint, vote no, exclamation point, in front of my house. I was like, my first thought was like, okay, let's just park on top of that. And then I, I, I'm with my kids and like, hey, look at that, guys. Look what someone did. <laughs> and like, it's funny, like all the like comebacks that we start thinking of so quickly. You know, like, oh, we can say that. We can say that. We could like, Amzie's like, just put a don't in front of the vote no, exclamation point. <laughs> so like, like all the, like we're so natural, like to return reviling for reviling. Like what's the clever comeback that we could, we can do? Um, <clears throat> So that's like that's our that's our impulse. Um, but as I thought about it, I was like, you know, I just want to like leave it there. Like, actually, I think like that shows the differences of these two philosophies quite well. You know, there's this shows which which is peace loving and honoring of people and property, and which is not, which is more prone to violence and and selfishness. So I'm just gonna like let that speak for itself, but. You know, our impulse is just to, like, to return it in kind. Um, but the upside way of Jesus is just different than that. Um, all right, where are we? Verse 10. In chapter 3, not 2. Yeah, okay. 4, and this is where Peter quotes, uh, quotes Psalm 34 from the Old Testament. For whoever desires to love life and see good days... Let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. I just want to look at that word deceit for a moment because I, I've been thinking about that. You know, that was the word earlier in chapter 2, verse 1. Peter told us to put away all deceit. And I think deceit is one of the biggest enemies of peace. Deceit is being hypocritical. And it, deceit is being tricky in our interactions with people. Deceit is when our inner conversation is not the same as our outer conversation. It's where we're, we're playing chess with our interactions with people. But the opposite of deceit is sincerity. It's like, no, this is what I really think is true. And I'm not going to like play games and try to manipulate and make it work out. But I'm just going to put my neck out there and be honest and sincere. And through that, we're going to find unity of mind. So let him keep his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. There's that seek peace. Seek shalom and pursue it. Let him turn away from evil. I, we think of like evil and good so often in terms of morality. Like don't do bad things. Do good things. And if obviously there's a moral element. It's about morality, but think about it more relationally. Think about turn away from evil and do good. Think about it more in terms of our relationships with people. Like every, every moral action is really a relational action. It's relational toward the Lord, and usually it's relational toward other people, too. And God's not just like, hey, do good things, don't do bad things, I got these arbitrary rules. But his commandments and his way is all about what brings life, what brings blessing, what brings relationship. Seek peace. Turn away from evil. Do good. Seek peace. Pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. Oh, so he doesn't hear the prayer of the husbands. 
But this is who he hears. His eye is on the righteous, the ones who are treating people, seeking peace. His ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. I just want to close with these last two verses, or two and a half verses. Now, who is there to harm you if you're zealous for what is good? Man, if you're really zealous for loving people, man, that, that doesn't, well, it doesn't really matter who's there to harm you, and most people aren't going to be there to harm you. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, as you may, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. You know, I, that really stood out to me as I was pondering this this week, to have no fear of them or be troubled. So often what keeps us from pursuing peace in our relationships is some fear. We're afraid of conflict. We're afraid of being wrong. We're afraid of what people will say about us. We're afraid that it won't work out. The fear is what keeps us from living sincerely, living authentically, living just out there honestly and openly in our relationships. But God says, hey, have no fear of them. Don't be troubled. I gotcha. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. It all comes back into this is how we live as those who honor Christ the Lord as holy. So, um, yeah, lots to ponder on there. We're actually going to um, well, I just, we're going to have communion together in a little bit, in a moment, and really I want us to, I think it's important that we think about this both in terms of our vertical relationship with God and how he pursued peace with us through his spilled blood, but also how that's made to bring us into peace with one another and relationships with others. Um, I would just think about, like, man, this is, isn't this really the life that we like something in us goes, yeah. Like, that's what I want. Like, I want shalom. I want unity of mind with, with people. I want to be in harmony. I want to have great relationships. I want to have people in my life that we've worked through stuff and we can be totally at peace. And that's what God has for us. That's who he's called us to be. First of all, in our own community. Like, if it can't work in our own homes, in our own church, like, forget us bringing peace into the world. Like, this is the environment. This is the laboratory. This is the place where first we work it out in our relationships with one another. And then from there we can extend peace to other people. So Brendan's going to come on up here and lead us in our time of, of communion together.